Amen. For this morning, we're going to be looking at the book of Hebrews. Uh, we're starting a new series on the topic of faith, and we believe it's going to be uh, you know, a great series for us to go through. We're going to be looking at Hebrews chapter 11, verses 1 through 6, and I'll be reading from the English Standard Version. Hebrews chapter 11, verses 1 through 6, starting from verse 1. Now faith is the assurance of things hoped for, the conviction of things not seen. For by it, the people of old received their commendation. By faith, we understand that the universe was created by the word of God, so that what is seen was not made out of things that are visible. By faith, Abel offered to God a more acceptable sacrifice than Cain, through which he was commended as righteous, God commending him by accepting his gifts. And through his faith, though he died, he still speaks. By faith, Enoch was taken up so that he should not see death, and he was not found because God had taken him. Now before he was taken, he was commended as having pleased God. And without faith, it is impossible to please him. For whoever would draw near to God must believe that he exists and that he rewards those who seek him. This is the word of God. Thanks be to God. What's going on, everybody? My name is Jordan. I am one of the pastors here at Renaissance. Happy Martin Luther King Jr. weekend to everybody out here. Um, I don't know if you've ever read a scripture or heard a scripture or uh, seen somebody put a scripture on Facebook that just stopped you dead in your tracks. And it's something that even if you're not a Bible scholar, uh, you remember to this day. Uh, Maybe it's something you heard when you were a kid, and it's one of those things that you go back to over and over and over again. Uh, For me, it's this one scripture in Mark. It's a story about a man that comes to Jesus uh, pretty desperate. Uh, He's pretty desperate in how he approaches Jesus. He says, Jesus, my son is sick, and if there's anything you can do, can you please heal my son? The man looks, I mean, Jesus looks at the man and says, if I can do anything, he says, all things are possible to the one that believes. Later, the man says something that I've probably prayed uh, hundreds of times in his last decade. The man says, I believe, but help my unbelief. I believe. I have faith. I I want to believe, but there are pieces of me that don't. There are, are, are parts of me that struggle to really have faith. I believe, but help my unbelief. Now, in the next five weeks, we're looking at a new series called By Faith, and we're looking at uh, what faith is all about, and and we're hoping that you and I would be strengthened, uh, we would grow, we'd be more connected in our faith, and today what we're going to look at is uh, just an overview of where we're going to go for these next five weeks of what faith is, what's the nature of faith all about, because I really do believe that there are some things that we believe about faith, uh, that we believe about God that are um, incorrect, and it's actually hurting um, how much faith we, we do have. Now, faith is a really big topic, uh, and one of the best things about being a pastor um, is that I get to have so many conversations with people about faith. Um, every time I go to a sports bar or a dinner party, and we get to the conversation about um, what it is that I do for a living, uh, people... Uh, react in one of two ways. Uh, One, they grab their drink and they moonwalk away from me as fast as possible. Uh, They try to avoid any conversations with the pastor. I'm like, dude, I'm just watching the Knicks lose just like you are. Relax. Nobody wanted to talk to you about Jesus, bro. Secondly, uh, one of the things that happens, and this happens a lot, um, so much so that I'm 
This is actually one of the best things about being a pastor. So many people tell me their story of faith. They tell me their life story, uh, and sometimes at the sports bar or at a dinner party, depending on how much wine they've had, they tell me their entire life story. They're crying, and I'm like, dude, listen, just pass the artichoke dip when you're done, all right? But they tell me their entire life story and their faith story, and, and I hear a lot of things. I hear a lot of people who are saying, I'm a Christian, and I grew up in church, and, and I really do want to have more faith. Like, I really, really want this year to be the year that I take that step, and I really give God my all. Like, I don't want to doubt God in, in 2017. I really, really want to have more faith. And I say I believe this, but my life is actually looking a little differently. Other people, uh, and this is probably one of the best things about living in New York City, some people are really just genuinely curious because they've never talked to a pastor before, and they really want to know what it is about me or what it is about faith that's so intriguing. And people really do want to have faith, uh, even if they don't have a specific uh, religious affiliation. Now, the third group of people are people who grew up uh, in some sort of religious tradition, Jewish, Christian, uh, whatever their background was, and then they went to college and took a class in philosophy, or they moved to New York City, and all of a sudden, they feel like they've lost faith. Now, some of these people say it, you know, proudly, saying, well, now I just kind of believe in reason or whatever I can um, uh, completely conclude that I can put through a scientific experiment uh, but all of life involves faith. There's not one person in here that does not live by faith on a daily and minute-to-minute basis. Everybody that came into this room today had faith that these chairs would hold you up. Nobody, when you were coming down to sit down, nobody inspected these chairs, and as rickety as these chairs are, it took a lot of faith for you to sit down in them. Uh, and in more uh, bigger topics also, uh, we live our lives by faith. There's a lot of stuff that we deeply believe in that we can't prove. Case in point, all of us believe that you should protect vulnerable people in our society, right? We shouldn't just have the powerful dominating the weak, but we should protect people, and we should live in a society that values people's lives and their humanity. Uh, but we can't prove that. There's no scientific experiment where you can run it through the gamut and say, it's scientifically provable that you should treat people kindly. It's scientifically provable that you should be nice to people. Uh, but we all have deep beliefs in human rights, and we can't prove that at all. We actually live all of our lives by faith. Now, today we're going to talk about generally what is faith, but more specifically, what does it look like to have faith in Christ? What does it look like for you to have faith in God? What is faith? What is, um, what is real faith? What is the faith that God wants you to have? Now, a lot of people, uh, myself included, kind of grew up in church, church traditions where faith was like the force in Star Wars right? If you squint your eyes really hard and you have the faith, you can just like do whatever you want to do. Or it's like a cheat code, right? Up, up, down, down, left, right, left, right, A, B, start. Older people got that. Younger kids, you guys, <laughs> you millennials didn't get that. Google it. Um, but faith is not a cheat code that you can do to start life out that gets you whatever you want. It's not some way that we can manipulate God to do a whole bunch of stuff that God wasn't going to do in the first place. Faith is much bigger, and it's also better than that. So what is faith? How do you measure it? How do you know if you really have it? How do you lose it? How do you get it back if you lost it already? How does it grow? 
Now, we're going to be looking at this all in the next five weeks, and we are really, really excited for the series. Uh, one of the things that is really interesting about this chapter that we're looking at, Hebrews 11, is that this chapter is often known as the Hall of Faith. Uh, this chapter, more than any other chapter in the Bible, looks, uh, takes a really great uh, close look at what faith is, and it doesn't just give us a bunch of statements, it doesn't just give us a bunch of conclusions, it gives us case studies of real-life people, of real, normal, regular people that lived by faith. Now, I don't know about you guys, but here's what I want for my life. Um, on my tombstone, I wanted to read that Jordan Rice lived by faith. I want that to be my story. I don't, I, I don't need to have everything all figured out. I don't need to reach the pinnacles of life. I don't need to have a, a Lamborghini. I don't need to go to the Greek Isles and sail across along the would be pretty fantastic if I ever did that. But I do want to live by faith. And I want you to live by faith. I want you to have a real breathing, living, flourishing, growing faith. In order for us to do that, um, in some ways, it might feel like we're taking a couple steps backwards, uh, but we have to take a couple steps backwards in order that we can move forwards. So what is, what is faith? And this is what we're going to see in these next five weeks. Uh, faith is confidence in the character of God. Faith is confidence in the character of God. And we're going to look all through Hebrews 11, and that... Uh, that uh, definition might not satisfy you right now, but hopefully by the end of today and certainly by the end of these five weeks, uh, that definition would resonate with you a whole lot more. Faith is your confidence in the character of God. Now, we all want more faith. Um, we all want to have stronger faith. And, and here's where we're going today. Faith is confidence in the character of God. Now, faith has a number of components uh, one of the most interesting things about Hebrews 11 is when you read it in the Greek or when you read it in uh, different English versions, there are a lot of different words used uh, depending on the version. They all mean the same thing. Uh, we're going to look at the ESV today. Um, uh, faith has a number of different components. The first component that real biblical living faith has is an assurance. It's an assurance. Now, faith is much bigger than a feeling, and it's much better than just a feeling, it's better than a hunch. It's better than an emotional experience. It's better than all of that. Faith starts off as uh, described as an assurance. In Hebrews 11 and 1, it says, Now faith is the assurance of things hoped for, the conviction of things not seen. Faith is the assurance of things hoped for. Now faith is not just a feeling. Uh, your feelings and my feelings can lead us uh, astray early and often. Years ago, I went to the Kentucky Derby, and it was a great time, throwing a hat with the, throwing a suit with the hat, the bow tie. Uh, we don't have a picture for that. Don't worry about that. But uh, while we were there, there were all of these people that all had a feeling that a certain horse was going to win. This guy came up to me. He tapped me in the leg. He was like, yo, kibbles and bits. <laughs> I was like, I don't know what you're talking about. He was like, number 27, kibbles and bits. I talked to the trainer. Horse is guaranteed to win. It was like 30 to 1 odds. And he was like, yeah, he was giving me all the breakdown, how this horse did in, you know, when it was 48 degrees or, or hotter. Like, this horse is guaranteed to win. I have a feeling. I looked at him. I said, bro, cool story, man. But I am not putting my money on kibbles and bits. Uh, he went to the counter, put his money down, and lost every single penny. That horse came, like, in last place. It was never in the front of the pack. It was never competitive. 
Uh, and his feeling failed him. His feeling failed him pretty quickly. And here's what a lot of us think that our faith is. We think that our faith is our feelings. And our faith is not our feelings. Faith is the decision to move forward in spite of how you're feeling. Faith is your decision to move forward in spite of how you're feeling. We see this happen so often in marital relationships when they're trying to reconcile and the, the husband and the wife are feeling a whole lot of different things. And we're saying, no, 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 don't rely on what you're feeling. Your feelings will change every other day and sometimes twice in one day. Faith is much bigger than a feeling. It is the conviction. It is the assurance uh, in the, the character and the nature of God. Now, so often we confuse faith with a feeling, and we beat ourselves up that we don't have enough faith. And what we're really saying, what we're really meaning is, I don't have enough of a feeling that's making me feel good to move in this direction. And faith is the, the, the intention to move forward despite what you're feeling. And oftentimes, it's despite what you're feeling. Now, when you read through Hebrews 11, and we're going to get to some of these characters uh, that we're going to see, we're going to evaluate, none of these people felt like doing what God was calling them to do. None of them felt fantastic about what God was calling them to do. Noah and Abraham, none of these people were excited and so, super happy about what God was calling them to do, but faith is that assurance that is not so much bigger than our feelings. And when we read amazing stories of faith, we see men and women that are moving forward in spite of what they may be feeling. One of my favorite stories, Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego, although my dad says it, Shadrach, Meshach, and a bad Negro, right? <laughs> they were facing uh, the king, the most powerful person in all of the land, and the king was going to throw them in a fiery furnace. And they were regular people just like me and you. They had to be feeling fearful. They had to be wondering what's going to happen in their life. And they said, King, our God can deliver us, but even if he doesn't, we're not going to kneel down to your statue. See, their faith, not their feelings, enabled them to commit to, to what God was calling them to do, to be bold, to be courageous, and it wasn't found in their feelings. I'm sure they were fearful, just like you and I uh, would be. Now, here's what's so interesting about feelings versus having an assurance. Uh, the most important thing about your faith, the most important thing about your faith is what you are placing your faith in. That's the most important thing about your faith. What are you placing your faith in? And this is why we've described it not as, um, uh, why we've described it as faith is the confidence in God's character because putting our faith on that is something that will never fail us. It might disappoint you, but it won't fail you. Uh, we've told this story before. Uh, imagine two people walking out onto the ice. Uh, one person walks out to the ice. It's a half an inch thick. And they're so confident. They're feeling great. They start crip walking out onto the ice. They're like dancing, spinning around. Um, and they're so confident. They're feeling so good about it. If they walk out into some ice that's a half an inch thick, they're going to fall through and drown. But imagine someone else, and they're timid. They're scared. They're not bragging. They're not boasting about it. But they walk out onto some ice that's five feet thick. Now, no matter how weak and puny their faith might feel to them, What's going to save them is not the strength of their faith, but the object of what they're placing their faith in. And here's where we're going for this series. These men and women in the Hall of Faith, these men and women in Hebrews 11, they place their faith in the character of God. And if you and I are going to grow in our faith, if we're going to be strengthened in our faith, we're going to have to place our faith in the character of God. 
the amount of our faith is not nearly as important as what we are putting our faith in. Now, when the Bible talks about the faith that the ancients were commended for, uh, it's not talking about um, faith in feelings. It's talking about the faith that they were so confident in the, in the character of God that they moved uh, wherever God was calling them to move. Now, one of the things that erodes or chips away faith, and this is why I said we're going to take a couple steps backwards in order to move forward, uh, I want to say what faith is not in order that we can understand what faith really is functionally in our lives. Uh, so many times, and I've heard this over and over and over again, and this might be you, and um, so many times I've heard people say that they're losing faith or they've lost the faith. Or so many times I meet somebody out in the sports bar or whatever, and they tell me that they've lost the faith. And, and here's what I would say to you and to them, and I, would say, I want to say this as kindly, as gently as I, as I want to. Oftentimes, we haven't lost faith in God. We've lost faith in our ability to understand who God is, or we've lost faith in a specific um, circumstance. And one of the things that erodes faith more than anything are unexplainable circumstances. And you might have heard this from your friend. Uh, you might have heard this might be something that you're wrestling through, that I had faith in God until this, this, and this happened. Or I believe that X, Y, and Z would never happen, and then it happened, so now I don't believe in God anymore. Or this, um, this is how I understood God to be, and I know that's not true, so now um, since, you know, since the church I was raised in, since their theology was jacked up, since they were wrong, I can no longer have faith in God. And here's what um, is so, so vital for us to get, that in order for us to have a real, living, breathing, growing faith, it cannot be in circumstances, and we would call that circumstantial faith, because here's what happens. When that circumstance moves, everything attached to it will crumble alongside of it. And this is something that I've experienced personally in my own life. Uh, I'm not speaking from a, something I read in the book, uh, but something I've experienced firsthand. Uh, when we put our faith that God would do a specific set of circumstances, we are setting ourselves up to lose faith. And we are not losing faith in God. We're losing faith um, because we put our faith, the object of our faith was cast in the wrong direction. In Hebrews 11 and 13, uh, the writer of Hebrews uh, says it like this. He gives a list of all of these people, and he says, these all died in faith, not having received the things promised. That there are some people, now Hebrews 11 gives a, 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 an amazing picture of what faith is. Some people, they're in their faith, in their faith walk with God, they've seen amazing things happen. It talks about people receiving their dead back. Uh, God moving in tremendous ways, and God does want to move in tremendous ways in our lives. But then Hebrews 11 also gives us another look at what faith is, and that faith is some people died in faith, never having received the things promised. That their, their confidence was not simply that God would do X, Y, and Z. Their confidence was not in people, that people would always be this way. Their confidence was not in uh, traditions, or their confidence was not in feelings, but their confidence was in the character and the nature of who God was, and that was a thing that was able to carry them for their lives. And you want to know what the thing that's going to be able to carry you? It's not going to be in our circumstances. Those change. The wind blows our circumstances in different directions every other day, uh, but it's in the nature and the character of God, that God was going to do exactly what he was going to do, and that they could trust God in the process and for them, faith was the assurance to hold on to God even if they never saw it, even if they never saw it. 
even if you never get what God, even if you never get what you're praying uh, to God to get, uh, will you still have faith in him? If God never answers that prayer, the prayer that you really, really want, and you know it, we all have one. If God never answers that for you, if that never happens in your life, will you still follow Jesus? If you never get that thing that you really desperately want, will you walk away? Now, certainly uh, years ago, um, I didn't mention this last, last service, years ago when I was uh, you know, dealing with the, late, the cancer diagnosis uh, of my late wife, uh, I felt like my entire faith was in question. And I was like, I had to look in the mirror and say, God, if, if she's not healed, will I, will I leave you? And if the answer is no, then really, what are, we hoping that, what are we hoping God to be? Are we hoping that we are just as smart and, and that our plans are so much better than God's plans are? And if it's not our way, then I'm not going to rock with it. I'm not going to do it at all. But in order for God to be God, in order for God to be high and lifted up, in order for God to truly be sovereign, in order for God to truly be all-knowing and all-powerful, then sometimes if there are plans that God has for your life, sometimes there are things that God has for us that we wouldn't understand or be able to, to see. And the nature of true faith and is both a combination of God showing up and blessing us and doing things we never thought could be, could be possible, but it also at times means that things don't go the way we want them to go, and we're still going to hold on in faith. And that's the type of assurance that the biblical writer is calling us to have, is assurance in the character, in, in the character of who God is. There's two traps that we fall into. One, in order for God, in order for me to trust you, I have to be able to understand what, you, what you're doing. And the second trap is, God, I need to be able to see it. Now, neither one of those are faith, even though they uh, may mask or appear themselves to be like faith, but they're not. And if that's what we're thinking faith is, uh, you and I are not going to be able to, to, to live a life uh, of faith. Secondly, uh, the second thing we see in the scripture is that faith is not just an assurance, but it's also a conviction. Uh, in verse 1, it says, faith is the assurance of things hoped for, the conviction of things not seen. Now, in uh, Hebrews 11, uh, there's a really interesting way that they say it in the Greek. And uh, as long as I still have student loans and I'm still paying Sally Mae back that money, I got to drop a little Greek every now and then just to justify uh, my monthly payments. Uh, basically, what the writer of Hebrews says is um, faith is the assurance of um, things hoped for, the conviction of the pragmaton, uh, and by not seen, basically, the word means past events. And so basically, this is what the writer of Hebrews is saying faith is all about, that your conviction is in past events, that your, your hope in God and the things that you're wanting God to do, uh, your belief, the things that shape you and shape your relationship with God are not based on what's in front of you, but uh, it's based on what's behind you. Um, and the best thing that we see in Hebrews uh, 11, uh, living by faith means that we are convicted personally to live in line with past events, things that are no longer in front of us, things that are behind us. Uh, and it's not simply that God created the universe, but it's that um, there are things that God has done in the past that would give us confidence in his character going forward. Now, at Renaissance, we call ourselves a gospel-centered church, not because we were playing um, Vashon McRae or, or, or um, some gospel singer, but simply because uh, gospel center means that everything we do is centered around the cross. 
That is the past event. That is the pragmaton that the author of Hebrews is talking about, that your conviction about God, your belief about God, what informs you about who God is and his character is not based on what's ahead of you, but it's based on what God has done in the past in Jesus Christ on that cross. And here's what a lot of us, myself included, make the mistake of doing. Uh, We live our lives based on the conviction of the things that might or might not happen in front of us. And all of that stuff is a very, very fragile bridge. But Scripture calls us to have a conviction of the past event of the cross. And if there's one thing that's going to give you the courage, if there's one thing that's going to give you boldness, and if there's one thing that's going to give you security, if there's one thing that's going to give you confidence that God is with you, it's not going to be found in your day-to-day interactions with people. It's not going to be found in your day-to-day dealings with your job. It's not going to be found in any of that stuff. Uh, If we want to get a good picture of what God's character is like, and we say this all the time, we have to take a look at the cross. This is why we gather every Sunday. This is why we tell people to do CBR and read your Bibles daily and have an encounter with God every single day, because in order for our faith to grow, you and I need to live out of a conviction of what God has done for us in the cross. Scripture tells us in Romans 10 and 17, faith comes by hearing and hearing the word of God. And if we're not exposed on a routine basis, we're not exposed regularly to what God has done for us in Jesus on the cross, we're going to feel like our faith is starting to fail us. Because our eyes are going to start looking all to the left and to the right of all of the things uh, that are going on in, in our lives. And the life of faith is living in light of being controlled by what Jesus did. The great event of the gospel. The gospel proclaims this. The Son of God was born as a human being, died on the cross for our sins, raised on the third day. In other words, um, living out of a conviction of that, a Christian is one who says, if God is king, then I can't live as if I'm a king. And I'm going to try to stop. If he died for my sins, then why am I living under all of this guilt? On the other hand, if he's forgiven me, how can I not extend forgiveness to others? See, living out of a conviction of what God has done for us in, in Christ on the cross uh, shapes the forward, everything going forward in our lives. Now, not only is it an assurance, not only is it a conviction, uh, but faith also, genuine real faith leads to a commitment, right? Uh, Real faith leads to uh, a commitment. Now, there's two parts of a commitment. Uh, One sounds a little heavy, um, but real faith has to involve us actually making and taking a step, right? That you and I will not have a real uh, living, breathing faith unless we actually have committed to the thing that we say uh, we've put our faith in. Uh, And one of the litmus tests for what we actually believe is what we we have committed to. James 2 says it like this. He says, what good is it, my brothers, if someone says he has faith but does not have works? Can that faith save him? If a brother or sister is poorly clothed, and lacking in daily food, and one of you says to them, go in peace, be warmed and filled without giving them the things needed for the body, what good is that? So also, faith by itself, if it does not have works, is dead. Here's what James is saying about commitment, uh, the nature of faith uh, needing to be uh, one that is shown in our commitment, that you and I will actually do the thing that we really do believe in. Now, the flip side of that is uh, equally true, but also a little bit more encouraging, is that you and I uh, will grow and will be more and more strengthened in our faith when we start to commit. And that's a great paradox of faith, that your commitment actually strengthens your faith. 
That's the great paradox of faith, that in order for you to experience God's power, in order for you to experience God more in, in, in more powerful ways, you actually have to take that step of faith and commit. Hebrews 11.6 says, without faith, it is impossible to please him, meaning that in every single relationship with God, there's always going to be a gap where you have to take the step of faith. You will never have 1,000% certainty about anything. That's never going to happen. We can only reason ourselves to probability, and we have to commit ourselves to certainty. And this is why a lot of dudes aren't committing in relationships right now, ladies. This is why, this, this is why he ain't uh, trying to lock you down. Um, it ain't because you ain't fine or nothing like that. It's because he probably believes that he wants 100% certainty before he commits. And that does not work. That does not happen. In relationships and certainly in dealing with God, you and I have to take the step of, we have to take the step of faith in order for us to actually experience um, uh, uh, God's power. And that leads us to more commitment. That leads us to a stronger faith. And if you want to experience God's power, if you want to experience God in real ways, if you want to grow in your faith, you got to commit. There's a story in the Gospels where it talks about a man named Peter walking on water. Uh, and um, Peter sees Jesus walking on water. And he says, Jesus, if it's you, tell me to get out. And Jesus says, yep, come on out. Um, and, and Peter gets out of the boat. And when Peter committed, stepped out onto uncertain circumstances, that is when he actually was able to experience and to know the power of God. Now, there are some people right here uh, sitting in this auditorium that you are waiting for God to give you uh, an iMessage to your phone. You're waiting for God to Facebook message you so you can ignore it for like three weeks and then say, oh my God, I can't believe this is God. This is like Jesus Christ from Nazareth just tweeted me. And you're waiting for God to do that, and you're saying you're not going to move until God does something that big and that bold in your life, and you're going to be 97 still saying that same thing. You are never going to get there. If you want to experience the power of God in your life, you have to take the step of faith. And this is all discipleship is. Uh, uh, we've talked about this before. You being a disciple, you being a follower of Jesus is just obedience to the next step. There's not no grand formula, ain't no... Uh, whole paradigm, books you got to read. You being a follower of Jesus just means this. You being obedient to the next step that Jesus calls you to. And our steps look different. Um, your step might look like you've never committed to reading the Bible daily, and you need to commit to CBR. Your problem, your issue might be you've never committed to Christian community. You might come in and leave the second the service is over. Don't nobody in here know you, and you're wondering why you're not growing. It's because you've never made that step of commitment to be vulnerable in community. And nobody knows you. Nobody knows your hangups. Nobody knows your struggles. Nobody knows your frustrations because nobody can actually get access to that place. And God has created the Christian community in such a way that you cannot grow outside of it. Maybe your commitment is to plug into a community group. For others, you've made uh, a lot of steps. You're, you're serving here. You're doing this. You're doing that but you've never made a public declaration of your faith in Jesus because you're worried that what if, I make a, what if I get baptized, for example, and then people see me in a club next week? Then what are they going to say about me? And I can't promise that I'll be out. I can't promise that I'm going to stay out the club, right? Is that? And they're waiting until their faith is so amazing, until they're so incredible that they can guarantee with certainty that they're never going to go backwards, not even, a, not even a millimeter, before they make that public declaration. And here's what Jesus is saying. 
Make the commitment. If you want to experience God's power, God's love, uh, if you want to experience the strengthening of your faith, you actually have to make that commitment. Now, our faith and our confidence is in uh, the character and the nature uh, of Jesus. And I love this one story. Um, it's about a guy who was walking across, the, uh, across Niagara Falls um, on a tightrope. And he was walking across Niagara Falls, and everybody was like, man, like so wowed and so entertained by this guy. And then finally, he comes back, he walks across, everybody's clapping it up. And then he says, who thinks I can walk back over Niagara Falls? Everybody's raising their hand. He picks up a wheelbarrow and says, great, who wants to get in the wheelbarrow? And it was like alligator arms, like, nope, not me. Faith in Jesus is getting in the wheelbarrow. It's you giving up control over your life. You giving up the direction of your life. You giving up your hang-ups. And in that process of committing to Jesus, we experience his power. We experience his transformation. Now, I don't know what your next step is. I don't know what, uh, if there's anything that you've been wanting to commit to uh, that you haven't and you want to make that step today. Uh, right after service, Aswan and Lester will be around for you guys to talk to uh, when we give the call for prayer. If you haven't made that declaration, if you want to make your faith public and you say, Jesus, I want to commit. Even though I've got my doubts, I want to commit to you. We're going to do that today after service, and we're not going to um, embarrass you or anything like that. You can be able to go to the back room and have that conversation with them. But for us, the other ones, if you've made that public declaration already, uh, what does it look like for you to make that next step of commitment? Uh, what does it look like for you to, to let go of your expectations of who Jesus is and just simply uh, put all of our faith and our confidence in his character? That's the best news of the gospel, that if God didn't spare his own son, uh, wouldn't he not, along with him, graciously give us all things? And it's in that cross that we find the true nature of God that we can put our faith in. Let me pray for us. Heavenly Father, um, you are, you're good to us. Uh, you're good to people who struggle with faith. You're good to people who say the prayer, I believe, but help my unbelief. And God, uh, you've responded so graciously throughout Scripture to people who have wrestled with you. So Father, today we commit to wrestling with you. We commit to coming back. We commit to coming back to the well to continue to wrestle in faith, uh, knowing that we will find your power, your grace, your love as we continue to walk alongside with you. God, would you lead us in really clear ways as we go forward? In Jesus' name we pray. Amen and amen.